Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hopefully be able to follow what it is that I want to share with you today because it's a, a real passion of mine and it's a message that we've simply entitled InstaFam. InstaFam is a two-week series over four parts. So it's going to be this morning, tonight, and next week in the morning, and next week at night. Two-week, four-part series that hopefully will help us look at family life without some of the filters, without some of the filters. Um, if we know people as, as we do and, and we know family life as we do. Uh, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. And my challenge to us today is, is what message are we giving off about our life and our family if we only had your social media account to go by? Is our life truly showing us who we really are? Are we really always winning Are we really always overcoming? Are we really always happy? Are we really always beautiful and made up? Even when we get out of bed, I mean, are we really all of those things? I think the reality is that life can be tough. It can be complicated. And at times it can just be a little bit messy. Am I in the right place today? Maybe if you're watching online, you might just wanna confirm that and write very messy at times. That would be much appreciated. But this particular series hopefully will help us get rid of some of the filters as we move on to the next phase and stage of our life. Are you with me today? So having said all that, we want to make sure that uh, we do what it is that we need to do in order to move forward in Jesus' Name. Amen. If we can have the next slide, Dan, that'd be fantastic. They say a thousand, uh, sorry, a picture paints a thousand words. Who's ever heard that? A picture paints a thousand words. That is true in part. Because I believe though a picture paints a thousand words, sometimes it doesn't always tell the real story. It paints a picture, but it doesn't mean the picture is necessarily correct. To prove my point, I want to show a few photos of our family. And the first one is our cute son and daughter, Jordan and Mitchell when they were much younger. I mean, look at them. They are just so, so cute. I think Jordan's about four, Mitchie's about two, thereabouts, give or take. And when you look at that photo, you would think that our kids are angels. You would think that this little uh, photo shoot was something they just couldn't wait to do. You would think they woke up and said, hey, Dad, can me and Mitch have a photo together? I mean, look at it. It just, it just epitomises the perfect family. I mean, it's, just, it's a beautiful thing. But that picture doesn't paint the true story of what is going on. If we can have the next slide very quickly, you'll see a bit of an indication (laughs) of what was really happening. And that look on Mitchell's face and and, and the half smile on Jordan's face was what happened just before the photo and it's what happened just after the photo and it's what took place throughout the rest of the day. (laughs) So that one photo that showed them smiling and, and in love wasn't a true indication exactly of where they were at. 
I also have another photo of a very special day for me and our family. It was when Jordan, our oldest daughter, who's here on the front row, got married to Nathaniel, our son-in-law. And there was this moment captured between her and me. And I don't know about you, but when you look at that, it's, it kind of feels like just a special moment where father of the bride and the, and the bride gazing into others' eyes. And it's almost like time stopped and everyone was just engaged in this beautiful moment and it felt like, you, I don't know about you, I can almost hear the, oh. You, can, you sense that, don't you? But that's not the reality because that wasn't the case for everyone that was there. My next picture will highlight exactly what I'm on about. <laughs> Our beautiful moment wasn't really, wasn't really up front and centre for my wife. I can't even be honest with you and tell you what she was drinking. I, I, I'm going to tell you it was water because I feel like that's what I should tell you, but I can't even be sure of that. But let's just say for the sake of the fact that we are in church, it was water. Uh, but she certainly wasn't engaged in, in the moment that Jordan and I were in. A picture paints a thousand words, but it doesn't always tell the right story. And that's the premise of this particular series is to talk about the family pictures that we don't show. And so this is going to be a very practical series. And today is called Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. Tonight, Cass is going to be sharing about marriage. Next week, in our dedication service, I'm going to be sharing about parenting. And then we're going to be looking on the following Sunday night, singles and dating. And it may even cover off on a little bit of divorce and separation and some of the pain and realities that we face because that's a big part of our world and our lives for many of us in this place. So we want, we want this series to be something for everyone. So I want you to listen up and, and to lean in. Today's more of an introduction. I believe with all my heart, and that's why I'm sharing this, that family is near and dear to the heart of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, near and dear. Near and dear to the heart of God. Why? Well, you need to know that family was not man's idea. Family was actually God's idea. But even man has come to the understanding that family is one of the basic building blocks of society. It's one of the basic building blocks of society. And as we learnt in our Church Rediscovered series, that church, in its simplest, purest form, is a spiritual family that we belong to. Family is near and dear to the heart of God. He wants each and every one of us to belong to a family. He sets the lonely in families. So no matter where you come from, no matter what your stock, no matter what your family or lack of, God wants to bring us into His family. And that's where the church is just so important. And as I've already mentioned, family life, as beautiful as that can be, can be messy and can be complicated. It's beautiful, but it can be messy and complicated. And I don't want the messy and complicated part of family to be something that causes us to give up on family because it's still God's plan. It's still near and dear to His heart. And it still is the best thing because without family, society experiences decay. And so hopefully this series will help us appreciate and understand family better. God wants us to prioritise family. He wants us to manage it. And He has a lot to say about it in His Word. And so I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. This is God's heart when it comes to family. 
says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. In other words, whoever desires to be a pastor, a spiritual leader in the church, someone who desires to follow God, desires a noble task. In actual fact, all the pastors I know desire to serve God. It doesn't always land well for them, but I know in the heart of hearts, in the beginning, it was out of a noble task just to serve God and serve people. And this is what the Bible is saying here. It says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner that is worthy of full respect. He says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's family? Now, I don't know what you think of when you first hear and read that, but it sounds like a lot of do's and don'ts. And all the do's and don'ts are what puts people off church, God and Christianity. But I want you to know that the big why behind all the do's and don'ts, whenever you see do's and don'ts in the Bible, is on the basis and foundation of relationship, wholeness, health and healing when it comes to those relationships. So we need to understand the heart of God. His heart is for family, but it's not just for family. It's that we might be healthy and whole and happy as families. And in order for us to be healthy, whole and happy as families, then we need to do certain things and we need to abstain from certain things. And so the Bible is like a roadmap of how to do that. But know this, it's on the foundation of a love for people and a desire for relationship. For example, when the Bible says, don't get drunk, we can interpret that as God doesn't want us to have fun. That's not the case at all. God invented fun. We only know what fun is because God invented fun. And what he's trying to tell us is you don't have to be drunk in order to have fun. And he's saying, don't get drunk. Why? Because when you're drunk, you're out of control. And when you're out of control, you do some crazy things. Some people get really violent. And and, and that doesn't help the family. That doesn't make the family healthy. It doesn't make it whole. And so he's saying, don't get drunk because you're gonna uh, lose control. You may get violent and you're gonna waste a lot of money. None of those things help make a family happy, healthy and whole. And so there's a massive why behind the do's and don'ts in the Bible. And uh, as a parent, I've tried my best. And even as a husband, I've tried my best. And as a pastor, I've tried my best to present the do's and don'ts on the basis of relationship, not just because the Bible says. Whenever we've had to bring correction to our kids, it's not just don't do that because the Bible says that doesn't help anyone. Telling someone not to do something because the Bible says is the best way to put people off the Word of God. We need to bring the why and let them know the love behind the do's and don'ts. And that's the premise and that's what's behind this particular series. See, God is not looking for perfect families. What He's looking for is real families. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, real families? You see, to me, what makes religion so dangerous is because we pretend to be something that we're not. And that's why Jesus was so strong with the religious leaders because they pretended to have their life all together. They put the filters on their life and they came across looking far more um, 
together than they actually were. Because the trouble with religion is we, we know we should be doing the right thing, but when you know you should be doing the right thing and you're not doing the right thing and you don't get real about it, you put up masks and you put up facades. And that's why Jesus was really rough and really tough and really direct with some of the religious leaders. And that's why he seemed he was quite forgiving when it came to others who were more open. He told a story that there was this man who said, I'm so grateful that I give a tenth of my offerings. I'm so glad I'm not like this person next to me. And the person next to me said, I'm a sinner, forgive me. And Jesus said, who do you think went away justified? The one who is real. At this church, we realise that there's no perfect families, but we want to be real families. God wants to bring hope and help to my family and to yours. And so some things to remember when it comes to families today, three things very quickly. Number one is this, that no family is picture perfect. No family is picture perfect. Can you just turn to someone nearby and say, no family. Not mine, not yours. No family is picture perfect. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. We certainly have. To try and get a good family photo, let alone a perfect one, just to try and get a good, half-decent family photo is, is hard. Have you noticed that? You get your family together and to get everyone's eyes open and to get them all smiling and to have their hair neat and, and to get you know, a number of people together to, to do that at one moment is really difficult. And let's be honest, we only judge a good photo based on how we look in it. How many of you have taken a photo and said, let me have a look, let me have a look. You're not looking at the picture. If we're honest, we're not looking at the picture. You're looking at one person. You zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Do I have anything in my teeth? Oh, I like that. That's a great smile. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's a good photo. Next to you, you've got someone like, Ugh. and they're blurry and, they're, and you're like, oh, that's a great photo. Post that one. Like, no, no, no. We judge a good photo by how, how we look. It doesn't matter the person to our right, to our left, in front of us, behind us, as long as we look good. And this is what we're dealing with today. And, and, and I say that, that's assuming you can get everyone together in the same room. And as your family grows, that gets harder and harder. I mean, particularly when you're at church. Uh, our kids learned a long time ago, saying uh, we're just leaving as a pastor. When you say I'm just leaving as a pastor, our kids learned a long time ago, that means we may leave in the next hour. <laughs> because by the time you move and someone, someone says hello, and, and we just got to go, oh, there's someone else and there's someone else. And so, you know, as they've got older, they've got friends. And so when we're ready to go, they're not ready. And to try and get everyone together. And every year we try and get a Christmas photo together. We try and get a Father's Day photo together. And we try and get a Mother's Day photo together. We work hard at having a photo booth for the church to enjoy. And most of you seem to do it really well. You seem to be better at this than us. For us to try and get our family together on Christmas, Father's Day or Mother's Day after church is, is near on impossible. And uh, we had one of those years in 2017 and we could not find BJ. So we had a photo and I thought, you know what? I'll just, I'll just add BJ later. So that, that's what we did. <laughs> that's what we did. We just added her. She, she said, Dad, don't show that photo. I hate that photo of me. I said, I kind of like it. That's just... So she, wasn't, she was around, but trying to get her in that moment was just difficult. There's no such thing as a picture perfect family. Everybody, can you just breathe for a minute? Oh, I want you to have a Selah moment. There's no such thing as a picture-perfect family. We all have our moments. You know, King David, 
King David was a, probably the most well-known Old Testament character in the Bible, certainly one of the most well-known characters in the Old Testament. And King David went down in history as a man that was known as a man after God's own heart. I mean, what a, who would love to have that said of them? Even all these years later, David, King David, was a man after God's own heart. He was an incredible musician. He was an incredible songwriter. He wrote many of the Psalms that we read day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. David was responsible for many of the Psalms. He was a great orator, a great songwriter. And David was an amazing king. But you know what else about David that we can learn from the Bible? Is that he just wasn't a great dad. Isn't it amazing? You can be a great king. You can be a great musician. But your family can just be messed up. And with all due respect, because I... I live as a preacher knowing that I'm going to get to heaven one day and I'm going to see some of these heroes of faith and I don't want to be unkind in any way, shape or form. But I think being honest, even David would admit that his fathering wasn't as good as his king-ing. It wasn't good as his sing-ing. It wasn't as good as his writing. It wasn't as good as those other things. His fathering left a lot to be desired. His oldest son, Absalom, rebelled against David and tried to take his kingdom off his father. I don't know about you, but as a dad, that's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. Um, he cheated on his wife. He murdered one of his best soldiers, albeit that he didn't directly murder him, but he had him put in the front lines for his best soldier to be murdered. And so he's an adulterer. He's, he's a murderer. He's got a son that's rebellious. And then there was Solomon, his youngest son, he spoiled his younger son. See, nothing's new. Who says the Bible's irrelevant? I mean, like, the younger son being spoiled. Can anyone imagine that? In actual fact, in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, it says, David never, ever, ever disciplined Solomon. And all the young ones said, <laughs> David's family wasn't perfect, and neither are ours. Mine's not perfect, yours is not perfect. In actual fact, I remember this, it, it, it cut me, that's why I remember it so deeply. But it was early this year, just before Mitch went to New Zealand, and, and, and Jordan, Jordan, Jordan is a strong girl, and so she's the oldest one, and, and, and she's getting a little bit agitated at Mitch, and she's giving it to him. Her voice is getting a bit louder, and she's just bringing what she thinks Mitchie needs to hear in that moment, and I'll never forget Mitchie's response, and Jordan's going to remember it. We had a laugh about it afterwards, but it did cut. She goes, Jordan, this is what Mitchie said in response to Jordan getting heated. She goes, Jordan, that's the train bow in you. Trainboat is referring to me. <laughs> yep, that's that. That's that right there. And I'd love to say, stop disrespecting your parents. I'd like to say, that's not true. But when I heard that, I thought, yeah. <laughs> we are far from being a perfect Family. I'm not a perfect dad. Jordan is certainly not a perfect daughter. <laughs> Mitch is certainly not a perfect son. BJ, our youngest, she's perfect. 
All the young ones love that. Kath, she's amazing. She just just keeps it all together, which is really cool. But, But that's my thing. But maybe for some of you, it's divorce. Maybe for some of you, it's a wayward child right now. Maybe you're that mum who doesn't know the word boundaries. Maybe they're that new mum who, who's treating everyone else like you've never had a baby. I'm the only person in the world who's ever had a baby. And what would you know? And I'm like, okay. We've all got our moments. We've all got our issues. There's no such thing as a picture perfect family. Are you feeling something taking off of you right now? Yeah? Good. Secondly, no family picture is complete. Not only are family pictures not perfect, but they are not complete. Have you ever looked at an old family picture and thought, what were we thinking? Have you ever gone back into the archives and like, what was I thinking? Here's a, Kath, a photo of Kath and I when we were a little bit younger than we are today. <laughs> and there's so much about that I love and there's so much about that I don't like at all. <laughs> I'll leave you to work out what that is. You can start with the hair for one, I'm just saying. <laughs> But when you look at pictures, what you'll notice is the people in the pictures move on. And the picture changes over time. I remember being a young man right into sport. And back in the day in 1976, seeing a man in the American athletic squad win the decathlon. And I was in awe because I just thought, wow, this guy. He just captured my imagination, captured my attention. His name was Bruce Jenner. That's how I remember Bruce Jenner back in the day. And I was in awe of this guy who was just such an athlete. You talk about an athlete? He was an athlete. But that's an incomplete picture. Because as many of you would know, time has moved on and decisions have been made and he looks a little bit different today. Hence our next photo. That's the same person. Every picture is incomplete. Why? Because every picture is a process. And we are in process. We are in process. And every day, we get to make choices that shape our future, either for good or for bad. And today's choices that we make impact generations tomorrow. I want you to get that. This is my point. And this is why I'm so passionate about this particular message today, that today's decisions impact tomorrow's generation. In other words, you can't make a decision that is only based on you. We make decisions based in community because it affects our community. Decisions we make in a church affects the church. Decisions we make as a family affects the family. And I wanna encourage you, to be people that think about that and make good decisions. My dad made a decision when he was 28 years of age to leave the UK and to come to Australia. There was an opportunity for him to do that for the mere cost of 10 pounds. My mum and dad were the original 10 pound palms and they, they came to Adelaide and they moved to Parry Hills where all the other palms did. Hence, Parry Hills had the nickname Pommy Hills. And my dad still lives in the same home that he immigrated from all those years ago. 
And he landed in Perth on the day JFK was shot. So that's a long time ago. That's how long Dad's been around. Uh, and he's got lots of stories to tell you about Moses and Noah. He's just an amazing... <laughs> but he made a decision to come to Australia, which I'm grateful for because we got better weather and we got a better cricket team to follow. I'm grateful. I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for that. It was a good decision. Coming to Australia, better weather, better cricket. But he also made a decision not to father the same way he was fathered. See, some of you, you've heard me tell my stories about my dad and you think it's all right for you, Tony, you had a good dad and I would agree with you. You'll never hear me argue that it's okay for me because I had a good dad. You're right. But what you don't know is that my dad didn't have a good dad. But my dad made some good choices. My granddad, who I never met, was basically an absent alcoholic father. And that's what my dad understood of fathering. But my dad was smart enough to know that actually a wrong model is as helpful as a good model if you make good decisions. And so he said, I'm not gonna father the way my father did. And I'm grateful for that decision. I'm grateful that I grew up in a home where my dad was very present, very loving, very caring, and always had any alcohol consumption under control. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that his decision was not based on being intoxicated. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful to the decision that he made to follow Jesus. When he was 38 years of, old, uh, years of age, he made a decision to follow Christ. And that's been a journey for him, a journey he's been on ever since. And we grew up in the ways of God, knowing right from wrong. And I'm so grateful that I had a model and an example of someone who not only made some good decisions, but when it was tough, he hung around. And I am so grateful for that. I live as the beneficiary of that. Do you know who also lives as a beneficiary of the decisions my dad made? Every one of you listening to me right now. Because my life could look totally different if it were not for his decision to stay, to stand, to stick around, to not give up, to not give in. I'm grateful. Is he perfect? No, but he made some good decisions. But not all the decisions that we make are good. David had a son, Solomon, who was spoiled and never disciplined, as I mentioned. And as a result, he made some really bad choices because he wasn't disciplined. And David's inability to discipline his children had some ramifications on his family's life. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, that King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. It says they were from nations about which the Lord told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. There's the why. He's not being a party people. He's just saying, if you do this, there's a consequence and the consequence will not be good. There's the why. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Solomon thought he knew better. He was Lord and master of his own life and he had seven hundred wives. I can't even imagine that. I don't even know how that looks. Seven hundred wives. And you think that's enough? No. And he had 300 girlfriends as well. That's like a thousand women in his life. All from foreign countries. And guess what? These wives and girlfriends led him astray. Who knew? 
God did. God knows best. Why? Because he loves family and he wants the best for your family. The choices can be big and complicated or they can be small and routine. It can be a decision to accept Christ or not. And after this service, I'm going to give an opportunity for people who don't know Jesus and not walking with Jesus to know him and to follow him. It's your choice. You can choose him or you can reject him. The choice is yours. You can obey God's word or not. We can be faithful to our spouse or not. We can conquer an addiction or not. We can forgive or we can hold a grudge. We can quit or we can keep going. These are choices that we have to make. And every choice you make must be seen generationally. What I'm trying to encourage you today, church, is don't just make selfish choices. Choices in the here and now because it has a ramification, not just for your life, not just for your future, but for others to come. The question is, what's your family going to look like with the decisions that you make today? The choices we make today will impact our tomorrow and every choice we will make have an impact on our future and our family. And we need to ask, with every major decision we make in our life, be it big or small, how will this decision change the story of my family's life? Why? Because there's a generation inside of you. And there's a generation inside of me. I felt like giving up many times. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you want to hear that from the pastor of the church, but I felt like giving up many times. Sometimes I've only come to church because I thought, oh, I better, I'm preaching. I get sick and tired of people as much as you do. But I realize in those moments, it's not about me. My job is not to fill your cup. My job is to empty me. And that's why I'm here preaching week after week after week to leave you, precious people, to make your own choices. I just trust and pray that we'd make good choices. Why? Because there's a generation inside of you and your decisions are not just about you. It's about your sons and your daughters and it's about their sons and daughters. Married our oldest daughter off earlier this year. Beautiful, incredible, amazing moment. And they're going to have kids and I look forward to being a granddad. Everyone said, oh, are you looking forward to being a granddad? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they want kids just yet. And, well, I know they don't, but if they did, if whatever happens, happens. I, I, I'm ready to be a granddad. No pressure. <laughs> I feel like I've already met them. I feel like I've already seen them because everything I've been doing is with them in mind. Yes. Yes. I feel like I've met them. I don't know what they look like. I don't know if they're a boy or a girl. I don't know, but I feel like I've met them. I feel like I've had a thousand conversations with them already. And I feel like I've met their children. And they're not even born yet, let alone married yet. But I feel like I know them. Because everything I do, I see their precious little faces. And I want to make it as easy as possible for the next generation. See, we measure time on a clock. But God measures in generations. That's why he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of it. Must be done now. Hurry up. Come on, come on, come on. He's not that God. He thinks generationally. 
And number three, let's get the band up here. I'm fast running out of time, AKA have run out of time. Number three, no family picture is beyond repair. Oh, I wonder where we're going with that. The good news is, church, that no family picture is beyond repair. No matter how bad things are for you right now, no matter what you've done, no matter what your circumstance, I'm not here to bring condemnation. I'm not here to bring shame. In actual fact, I want to take shame off you. I know this to be true. God can help. And if we'll open up our heart and choose His ways, He will help. He will help. He's a great Photoshopper. He's a far better Photoshopper than I am. You saw my Photoshopping skills with BJ. Just slap it. He's a much better Photoshopper than you and me. He brings his touch to the picture. And whatever your family picture is right now, God wants to bring his touch to your picture. In the Old Testament, there's this woman, her name was Rahab. And Rahab uh, had a business called Hookers Are Us. (laughs) She was a prostitute. And as a prostitute, she recognised something that was on a certain group of people. They were God's people. And she made a good choice. She made a good choice to change her ways and to help God's people. You can read the story for yourself later. But, but she made a choice. And the amazing thing about the choice she made is many years later, after she was long gone, she became the great great grandmother of King David a good choice today can change your direction no family picture is unrepairable this woman Rahab this this prostitute not only became the great great grandmother of King David but you'll read of her in the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 1 She finds herself in the lineage, the family history, the family tree of Jesus Christ Himself. Wow. Wow. Just because she made a good choice and God redeemed her story. And she's not the only person in that lineage. She's not the only person in that genealogy. There are others, there's Tamar. There's a whole heap of people in that list that are very sketchy, got a very checkered past. And lo and behold, they find themselves in the Instagram of the day, Matthew chapter one, for all the world to see, unfiltered. What a God we serve. I'm not here to bring guilt. I'm not here to bring shame. I'm not here to bring condemnation. The good news is we serve a God who can redeem your story no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what has happened today. He wants to redeem your story and He wants to weave it into a larger story. And that story is His story. I thank God that God saw a young man who was born on the 4th of April, 1935, in Rugby, a little town in the UK. He went to school, did okay, became a sign writer. 
immigrated to Australia, chose to do life differently, made a decision to follow Jesus, had three boys who are all in church serving God. Let God redeem your story. Do you know how different that could have looked for my dad if he just took the path of his father? I could have been born in rugby. I could have witnessed an abusive, alcoholic, absent dad. And I could have chose that path and become an abusive, alcoholic, absent dad. And Mitch could have followed my lead and become an abusive, absent, alcoholic dad. That could have been our story. But decisions were made. Lines in the sand were drawn. Trust was given. And so we need to respond. Jesus said, In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is good news, church. So where is your picture broken? Is it slightly cracked? Is there some family tension? Is it smashed because of an affair, divorce, abuse? Doesn't matter. What matters is the choices you make. And here behind me is four things. Very quickly, you can write them down. I don't have time to speak on any of them. But I would say a good choice would be, one, forgive others. When you live with unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison. Expecting others to get hurt, forgive others. Make wise choices. Make wise choices. Play your part. You, you've got to get involved. You can't sit on the sideline and expect your game to change. You've got to get involved again. And lastly, I'd say you've got to trust God. Will you stand with me this morning? As every eye is closed, this place, as we just reflect upon what we've heard today. I want to create a moment, an opportunity for every believer just to have a Selah moment right now. What's your response? What's needed from you right now? Is it you've got to forgive others? Do you need to start making wise decisions? Do you need to start trusting God more? Whatever it is, God's given us His Holy Spirit to help us in areas that we struggle. Jesus, I pray for every believer in this place right now that You would help us in our response because there's a generation inside of us. And for their sake, we need to get this right. For their sake, we need to forgive others. For their sake, we need to make good choices. For their sake, we need to surrender the control of our life over to You afresh. Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Wherever it is that You're pinpointing in our lives right now, help us, Holy Spirit. We know that uh, those that come to You will not be put to shame, but will find hope and refuge. And for that, we thank You. Thank You for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.